Well, good morning again, and thank you, Denny and Tamara, music team, and everyone making worship possible this morning. We are in a series on the Gospel of Mark entitled Following Jesus, and this morning we're looking at Voice in the Wilderness, and we are in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I think it's a little loud, if I'm not mistaken. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, I heard the story of this church and the pastor at the end of the worship service invited everyone, anyone who wanted to come down for prayer to come on down. And so this uh, guy who wasn't known in the worship service came down. He's a burly guy with a beard. He had a Harley motorcycle jacket on. And so he comes down and the pastor asked him what he'd like to be prayed for. And the man said, well, I'd like to pray for my hearing. And of course, the pastor puts his hands around the man's ears there. He prays this beautiful, eloquent prayer for God to restore his hearing. And at the end of that, the pastor looked at the man and said, well, how's your hearing? The man said, I don't know. My hearing's not until next week. <laughs> yeah, I know. You got, it's early. You got to think about that. Well, sometimes we need a colorful character to come into our lives and even maybe into our worship service and kind of shake things up. And uh, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark, unlike the other Gospels, Mark doesn't start out with uh, either like John with this beautiful, majestic painting of creation, a new creation. And he doesn't start out with like Matthew or Luke with these beautiful birth narratives of Jesus being born. Mark is the gospel of action. So Mark starts out kind of like an Mission Impossible movie. He parachutes us right into John the Baptist, this colorful character who's out in the wilderness, and he is preaching a sermon of repentance and people being baptized. And the guy even dresses completely different, doesn't he? With camel's hair, like, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I've seen some camels. I wouldn't want to wrestle a camel for a camel leather jacket or anything, but he's got this camel leather jacket on, sort of, and he's got this diet. So all of you who are looking for new diets in the new year, well, locusts and wild honey. That, the wild honey I got, the locust, I'm not so sure about. I've I done the bug bowl before where you go, and Tom Turpin and company have all these bugs you can eat, and I ate some, but never wild locusts. But apparently, some insects are healthy. So he does everything different, and that's where the Gospel of Mark begins as John the Baptist is the voice crying in the wilderness. And what is, what is unique about John the Baptist? He reminds us, of course, of characters in the Old Testament like Elijah, number one. Elijah, this colorful character. Remember, we talked a little bit about Elijah who hears the whisper of God, not in the, God, not in the earthquake and not in the wind and not in the fire, but that still small voice. But Elijah as a whole was an action-packed 
guy and doing all kinds of things. And that's kind of what John the Baptist is, but he's looking for that still small voice. He's looking for that special someone in life. And so some of the characteristics of John that I think are really noteworthy this morning, and first of all, is that he says that he is not the one, he's the one pointing to the one. He says that he's not worthy to bow down and even to tie the latches of the sandal of the one who's coming, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. He's got an attitude of servant leadership, an attitude of servant leadership, of, of service. And uh, we talk a lot about leadership today, but if you've ever been in like the service or anything, one of the first things they teach you is followership, followership. You can't be a leader until you learn how to follow. And there's not enough in the world that says, how do you follow? How do you follow one? And so John the Baptist, this colorful, this dynamic person, knows how to follow. He knows how to be a, a servant leader. And I think that's so important. And then the other thing is, John stands for what's righteousness, truth, and justice. Now, righteousness is one of those church terms, right, that we talk a lot about. But righteousness really means right relationships, right relationships. So righteousness, truth, and justice. And, and John doesn't bend, John, John doesn't lighten up his message for anyone, not even the king, not even Herod. In fact, you'll see later on that John is critical of Herod, who uh, basically uh, married his uh, brother's wife, his brother killed, and no one get in Herod's way. And so he did things that were wrong, and he was uh, unabashed about that. But John was unabashed about standing for what was righteousness, truth, and justice in the world. And people went out to hear John the Baptist, right, uh, from all over. And John didn't go to them. They came to him out in the, in the wilderness. And, uh, and then he baptized in water. And I have a picture. I was fortunate enough to be in the, the Jordan River. But the, the Jordan River, where John was baptizing, is actually the lowest point on the earth. The lowest point on the earth. And what does that mean? I think one thing is that it is a symbol of humility. It's a symbol that sometimes we need to be least and God needs to be greater. We need to, to find our place. And John is baptizing people in this water and they are coming out. And, but he says, Christ is coming, the one is coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So a servant's heart, one who stands for righteousness, truth, and justice, and one who points to Jesus. Points to Jesus. John the Baptist never seems to have all the answers, does he? In fact, he, he sends disciples to ask Jesus questions, but John knows it's not him, he points to Jesus. And I think that's pretty important in our lives as well. And so there is Jesus who is the most unique one, God's son. And that's the way Mark introduces Jesus. That's the way Mark introduces the, the gospel and that, that God is coming in human form, Emmanuel, God with us, and we're to look for God. And I wonder in this new year how we're doing with all those kinds of things. Tamara talked about, about goals in our lives. And I think in our, in our own lives, those are things that we need to look for too. How are we today about having a, a servant's heart, about being a, a follower of Jesus, right? Followership. Now, you got to be a follower before you can even be a servant leader, but how are you at following Christ? How are you at taking direction? How are you at following the, the light and the word of God, God's word? Is that one of your goals this year? I think John the Baptist, this dynamic character, would say that needs to be one of your goals because you can't learn to lead until you learn to follow. 
along the way. And so John could do that, and could do it with strength and power, and he was able to do that. How are you at being a, a servant, a servant leader? And then how are you at standing for righteousness, truth, and justice? Well, you know, if you read the newspaper at all, we could use a few lights in the darkness, right? A few candles in the night, a few voices in the wilderness along the way. Now, I know none of us are perfect, myself included, but all of us can stand for righteousness, truth, and justice. And if you want to boil it down to one thing, just say doing the right thing. How are we at standing for doing the right thing? And our own lives is one of our goals in New Year, but also when we see injustice and things that are wrong, to be able to be that voice in the wilderness, to be that candle in the night, that voice crying out. And, uh, and I think it's a, a beautiful picture of John the Baptist. And, it, and how are we at pointing to Christ in our life? Because we know that it's not us that's the answer. We know that it's Christ that's the answer, the one unique Son of God that's greater, bigger than anything in, in all the world. And I love what Denny read. From Micah, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he's told you, O mortal, what is good and what does God require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, it's one verse, it's three things, but you and I both know it's not easy, don't we? <laughs> hey, it's this simple. Well, it's not simple, is it? To do justice, that's not easy. To love kindness, not always easy, and to walk humbly with our God, that's not easy either. But John the Baptist was doing it. And maybe he wasn't perfect. He was definitely himself, right? Camel leather, own diet, right? Uh, honey, locusts, and uh, someone who's just unabashedly speaking the truth out there in the world. And we need so much of that today. Where are you with all those things in, in the new year? And John Mark, who's this interesting character too. We'll learn more a little bit about John Mark. We saw John Mark along the way in the book of Acts, right? And uh, John Mark, we know that John Mark, also known as just Mark, was the son of Mary, a prominent businesswoman in Jerusalem. There were women who were prominent uh, businesswomen. Uh, Mary was one. This is Mary, Mark's mother. Uh, of course, Lydia was one. We know about Lydia. We have a Lydia circle here. But, uh, and of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. But Mark was the son of Mary, this prominent businesswoman. And he, his cousin was a person by the name of Barnabas. You probably know Barnabas. And he was also a friend of Peter. We believe that Peter may have led Mark to faith in Christ. And we also know that Mark, as you recall from our summer series, was someone that Paul took along in his first missionary journey. He was just a young man at the time. And along the way, Mark just bailed. He said, this is too much for me. I don't know what it was. Was it Paul getting, you know, beat to death, almost to death, and drug out of the city gates, or the threats against violence or being thrown in prison? We don't know, but Mark just said, this is too much for me. I'm going home to Jerusalem and my family. And when it came time for the second missionary journey, Mark wanted to go and said, listen, I think I'm, I'm ready to try again. And Paul said, no way. Paul was just, he didn't bend. And he just said, no, we're going on the second missionary journey, and it's going to be harder than the first, and you can't make it. And Paul and Barnabas had this fight, remember, kind of argument. And, uh, and Paul wouldn't bend, and so it ended up being the case that Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took Mark, and they went on their own journey. But God used two teams instead of one. God used that 12 years later. 
Paul and Mark reunited as Mark joined uh, Paul on one of his missionary journeys. And later in life, Paul would ask when he's in prison, uh, about to go to uh, give his testimony and give his life for the faith, he asked for Mark to come because he wanted to talk to him. And we believe that they had a full reconciliation in life. And so in our own lives, many times we, we fall short, even the the Apostle Paul, you know, maybe he wasn't quite as patient, but, but God used that moment. And, and John Mark failed some, but God was using them in their journey of faith. And you and I, even as servant leaders and all that we're doing in the new year with our, with our goals and aspirations and our dreams, you and I sometimes fall short. But the good news is that John points to the one who didn't fall short, which is Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. The one who comes to bridge love and justice that we can surrender our lives to. We can ask for God's forgiveness and know God's forgiveness and grace. And we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. John reminds us that he baptizes with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so God empowers us anew with his spirit in a way that can change our lives in amazing, in amazing kinds of ways. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a very important day of the year, uh, a very important reminder that all of us should stretch for um, righteousness, truth, and justice in our world, uh, a reminder of one, Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor, a humanitarian, who stood for, for what is right. He reminded us of the truth, and he did so many things to help our nation move in the right direction, and really the whole world. Uh, so much so that he was willing to give his life for, for that and to stand for, for what is right. And I love some of his words that still ring through history today, that he dreamed of a day when our children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, we've come a long ways, and we still have a ways to go, so that all people, regardless of their gender, race, language, place, all are treated equally. But John the Baptist reminded that as a voice in the wilderness. I think Martin Luther King Jr. was a voice in the wilderness too, a candle in the night. Tomorrow, maybe in your own life, you'll kind of redirect and see how are you doing with the voice in the wilderness of John the Baptist and Martin Luther King Jr. All of us will fall short, but I think all of us can look to Christ as the one who did not one who forgives us, gives us grace, who guides us along the way, who helps us set new goals to maybe to stand for what is truth and what is right in our world. One of the movies that I like is the movie 42. You've seen any Jackie Robinson fans out there? The story of Jackie Robinson, the first black um, player in Major League Baseball. And uh, it's, of course, this incredible story about uh, uh, Jackie Robinson being part of the Brooklyn Dodgers, there at the time the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. But the manager was a person by the name of Branch Rickey, a person I admire greatly. Had a lot of innovations in baseball. He was the one who came up with uh, uh, spring training as part of baseball. He also came up with uh, uh, batter's helmet to protect players and also the, the batting machine and a lot of other innovations. But one of the things that he did was Along the way in life, he had a, a moment when he was um, there with the, the Dodgers, and he was watching uh, the Black uh, Negro League at the time, as it was called, players, and saw some great talent there. And he saw the way that people treated those players differently than the white players, the 
big major league players. And he was asked about that, and she didn't stand in that moment for what was right. He was a person of tremendous influence as the manager for the, the Dodgers. And it took something out of him. Later on, down the road in his life, he made an assignment that absolutely shocked people. And he said that he wanted them to go out and to scout for the next and first black player on the Dodgers, the first player in all of Major League. And he came upon Jackie Robinson and called Jackie Robinson in and offered him position on the New York Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, even though he knew it would just create all kinds of mayhem in the news and in society and everywhere they went, but they did it anyway. And the movie, if you've seen it, or the books, or if you know the life of Jackie Robinson, was one of the most extraordinary players, most gifted players in all of baseball history. But everywhere he went, he faced a lot of uh, jeers along the way. And uh, there, there were moments where, uh, there was a moment in his life where they were playing a, a game, and he became the roommate of a Southern player by the name of Pee Wee Reese. And uh, they were very good friends, but the, the crowds would sometimes... Uh, hurl racial slurs and uh, paper and cans down on the, on the uh, field of play. And at one point, it was so bad that they had to stop play. And this uh, Southern white, who's a shortstop, uh, walked out to Jackie Robinson on second base and just put his arm around Jackie Robinson until the crowd quieted down as if to say, this man is my friend. And that changed so much. And then towards the end of the movie and Jackie Robinson had been hurt, and he was in the emergency room. And Branch Rickey, the manager, came in. And it was still sort of a swirl of controversy, even though people were beginning to accept it. And um, Jackie Robinson was there with his wife, and he just looked at Branch Rickey as there was kind of all this storm out the press out in the hallway, and the doctor was going to attend to Jackie Robinson. And he said, why did you do it? Why did you, why'd you do it? Because Branch Rickey was successful, the Brooklyn Dodgers were successful, and you know, why did he take on this storm to be really a voice in the wilderness, a candle in the night? And Branch Rickey said, for the love of the game. He said, there was a time that I didn't stand up for what was right. And it took the love out of my heart for a game that I love. And I realized that I needed to do the right thing. And Jackie Robinson looked at me and said, well, how do you feel now? He said, I love the game. I love the game. And today, in your own life, well, we all fall short. I don't care who you are. But if you've lost the love for the game of life, sort of faded in the night. Maybe what you need to do is stand for what's right, even if it costs you a lot. And maybe the love of the game of life will come back because Christ can restore the things that we've fallen short on and done wrong. He can restore the vision of what it's right to have righteousness, truth, and justice. There's only one Son of God, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, who comes to 
not just wash in water, but to baptize us with the Holy Spirit, that which baptism looks forward to. John the Baptist knew his place. He knew he wasn't the one, but he knew that he could be a servant, leader, and point towards Jesus. He knew that he could stand for righteousness, truth, and justice. It did cost him his life later on. But he was unabashed to be a voice in the wilderness, a candle in the night. And friends, as we look at tomorrow, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and we realize how far we've come, but the distance yet to be traveled, you and I can be a voice in the wilderness too. We can never be Emmanuel, Jesus, the Son of God, but that's not who we're called to be. We're called to follow him. And when we stumble and fall, then we look to Christ who will lift us up and forgive us and give us God's grace. And when we do that and we stand for what is right and we follow Christ, then you and I can rediscover not just new life in Christ, but new life for life in a new year. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we think about this moment as Mark begins this gospel with John the Baptist, this colorful character. Lord, help us to see these great qualities in John, uh, the quality of being a servant leader, the quality for standing for what's right, and just pointing to the one who is the answer in relationship with you. So help us in the new year, Lord, to open our hearts and lives to you and to join John the Baptist and being a voice in the wilderness. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.